Are you ready? Joe, are you ready? Ready. Are you ready? Ready. Because it's time. What time? We're, we're doing, this is a 2017 episode. It can't always be about a hodgepodge of everything. Sometimes it's got to be a little bit more regimented. Rob, you're giving me anxiety. <laughs> we're doing the hodgepodge of everything. <laughs> and, and, and that's it. And uh, see what we've got going on. <laughs> Sound like that guy from, uh, from Futurama. You're the guy from Futurama. Let me ask you a question. In all honesty, how do you know that you're talking to Rob right now? I see you. What gives it away specifically? The fact that I see you on Skype and I know you're my brother and I've lived with you for the past 20-something years. Mm, yeah, but you can't really be sure. <laughs> can, can you? I don't know how more sure I can be, but okay. I guess you're right, Rob. Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we'll be talking about some big news for the Boom Bros, the new legendary, deck spotlights, and more. Boom. Boom. We are back for the new year. Yeah, we are. How'd you start this year off? If you had to say one thing, you know how people have like New Year's resolutions? If you could have one New Year's resolution, it would be blank um to wake up on time that's your new year's resolution yeah i think that i should work really hard on not snoozing my alarm clock every day every single day i snooze my alarm clock so i think it would be very beneficial for both my mental state and my body state to just get up when i'm supposed to instead of just laying in bed like a lump well it's better than being a log that's <laughs> Lognado. Lognado. Oh. How about you? I don't know, man. I don't think I really have a New Year's resolution. Water gun to your head. You had to make up one right now. What would it be? Wake up on time. See? I would totally. See? <laughs> no, no, I'm it's just a good kidding. idea. I, would... I think it's a terrible idea. Wow. You got to have a better New Year's resolution. I'd rather have no New Year's resolution than wake up on time. Hmm. hmm. I, would, I would disagree with you because at least. You have a goal. Your way, you don't have a goal. You are 100% correct. Yeah. I have absolutely nothing. It's always better to (laughs) have a goal, right? I've got nothing. Yeah. Um, But hey, happy new year to everybody. We hope everybody has an awesome 2017. mm -hmm. If nothing else, do not be like me. Have a New Year's resolution, even if it's as terrible as Rob's, (laughs) which is wake up on time. Just wake up on time, guys. I, I will agree to disagree. I think mine's pretty good. So this episode, uh, we have a couple of things that we need to go over, um, and there's no particular order of the things that we need to talk about. So let's jump right in um, and talk about the challenge that we had, which was the Electro Wizard challenge. So this challenge was a little bit different than any other one that we've had um, in that It's the first time that we got to actually build a full deck, but the one stipulation was that we had to use the Electro Wizard, which is the new legendary card. Well, it's 
it's not the first time we can build a full deck, right? Because when we had the double elixir challenge, we could build a full deck. Yeah, that's true. But, 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 to, to caveat that, it is the first time that we could build a full deck using any available card, regardless of whether you own it or not. Right, that's true, that's true. So, the only requirement, I guess you could say, is that you were absolutely positively required to use the Electro Wizard. Every deck, regardless of what you wanted to play, had to include the Electro Wizard. So, one of eight cards had a zap combo in it <laughs> right as a matter of fact on the on the the um the picture for the electro wizard didn't it have like a little lock like a bolt like a like a deadlock on it it, it did mm-hmm. can i just tell you something before we dive into the actual challenge can i tell you something that bothered me a little bit lay it on me when you were in the the quote-unquote build your deck kind of area right like yeah. when you were making your own deck yep. you had the option right you could either make your own deck like choose cards of your own liking or you mm-hmm. could click a button and it would auto-randomize your deck for you, right? Right. Here's the issue that I had. It wasn't, like, when you were searching through your cards, it wasn't, like, the normal, like, card-choosing screen where you could, like, click on a card, view the stats, look at it, click info, or, you know, hover over it and deep press to open up the, the stats and the picture mm-hmm. of it and stuff like that. Right, Instead, right. it only gave you the option to use the card or not use the card. And I was just like, well... I don't remember how much damage these things do at level nine, at, at level nine twenty caps. Right. So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, what's better here? Is the fireball better or is the poison better? Or, you know, how much damage does the bowler really do here? Or, you know, if the, the level nine arrows, what are they? I don't, I don't have level nine arrows. So like, I don't know. So I'm sitting there trying to make a deck and I, I quickly realized that before I could make the deck, I had to go into the other, like, normal building deck screen Mm -hmm. to like see how much everything was (laughs) yeah that's a good point i guess the mentality was they need the games to still be quick and they don't want to i mean how much time do you do they really need to give you to figure out what kind of card you want to use i guess the mentality is that they 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 already figure or assume that you know what cards you want to use well if that's the case then why do they give me the opportunity to look at it when i'm building a normal deck like i know what cards i want to use all the time i just sometimes I want to see how much damage they do. I guess from my perspective is they didn't limit how much time they were giving me to build a deck. Instead, I could build a deck at my own rate and, and in the middle of the, of the tournament. Like if I, if I purchased a hundred gems and I was in the middle of the tournament and I built a deck that actually was terrible, Mm -hmm. I could switch it halfway through and completely change it up. So like they give you that option. So why not give me the ability to see what I'm choosing? Yeah, I I actually completely forgot about the uh the lack of time limit on that. Um so I can't think of a reason why they won't give you the information that you're looking for. I agree with you. Yeah, and and like I said, it's not a huge like it's not a huge problem, right? It's just some, something that I realized because I was going through and I was like, "Wait, why would why would that be a feature that they limit when you're when you're choosing cards? Like everybody wants to see how much damage things do. Everybody." It's a valid point. I agree. Aside from that, yeah, to piggyback off of that, um, you know what else this was a first for? Tell me. This was the first time that you could win a challenge and win a card. Mmm. Like, like a guaranteed card. Yeah, and I really appreciate that a, a, a while ago they hinted that there were going to be different ways to be able to attain cards. And, like, you know, you and I are both like, 
what does that mean? So far, it's just chests. Like, what other way is there to get cards? So um, it's really nice to see them coming up with different ways um, to be able to attain cards in the game. And I really dig the way that this was. I do think that putting it in um, the higher challenge is more appropriate when it's like a legendary. Um, but like maybe for a, a, a like an like an epic, that would be good for like the regular challenges. That would be kind of cool, considering that they're really hard to to get. Yeah, and no, I I completely agree with that. You know, when I saw that you could get a guaranteed legendary mm-hmm. for someone that's never gotten a legendary out of a shop, like out of anything other than a shop before, this was pretty. This was pretty amazing for me. And I was just like, for the opportunity for someone who might be good at the game and can build a pretty cool deck they have the option to get a legendary whereas otherwise they wouldn't be able to get one unless it was lucky or they bought one from the shop right right and the the hundred gems while it might seem steep for some it's a legendary right so like how much right how much how much gold would it take for you to buy a legendary well translate that translate that into gems it's much higher than a hundred gems. I mean, no, it's yeah. kind of a good deal if you can get to twelve wins. Well, yeah. If you if you buy a legendary, it's forty thousand gold right from the shop. But also keep in mind that it costs five hundred gems to get a legendary uh, chest. So, and that's a guaranteed legendary too. So, is it too much or is it too little? Well, that's I mean, a fair you're point. Do, you're doing way more work in the challenge for sure to get that completely, legendary. Completely agree. However, you do have to win the games, right? So. So it might be 100 gems, which might seem like a little bit, but you have to actually build the deck, be mm-hmm. good at the deck, win the games, and win 12 before you lose three. And not always the easiest thing. I mean, I struggled in the challenge at first, um, and we'll get to the, the results of the challenges, but it, it's not an easy thing to do, right? So like, if you think about the number of times it might take somebody to, to actually hit 12 wins and get one, you might t- it might take anywhere from five to twelve times. By that time, you know five hundred to you know twelve hundred gems. That it gets to be a pretty pricey number. Yeah. No, I I, I totally see what you're saying. Um. So let let's actually go into that. So we both did the challenge. We both played. Um. Made our decks. Got to use the Electro Wizard. Do you like him? I really, really dig the play style. Right. Okay. I think that this card is very commonly misused as an actual zap card, like a like a full on zap replacement. Correct. And right. You know, people might be like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" Right. And the the issue with this card is that because the card has this innate zap, people are so used to the zap that like, "Oh, well, I'll just kind of use him as a zap replacement." Right. Mm-hmm. The issue is that he doesn't have a lot of health. At level one, I think he's around like 500 health. Right. So if you play this card like a zap, he's going to get killed. And the problem with using him like that is that he costs four elixir. So it's not like you're just like throwing a zap out there. It's like you're throwing two zaps out there. Right. Two zaps would be cool, but you're only, you're only getting one of them, <laughs> right? And then he dies. So it's not like you're getting any added benefits. So the, the problem that I found in the challenges at first was that I was using him innately like a normal zap card and he was dying and the problem that i was finding was that i was using four elixir to get the benefit of two and then i'd be in a rut right i'd I'd, right. I'd be on my back foot always be behind and then i can never kind of call it you know snowball the game 
Um, in fact, it would kind of allow them to snowball the game because I wouldn't do it once. I would do it a couple times, right? And mm-hmm. then by that point, they get plus two elixir, plus four elixir, plus six elixir. It's, by that time, the game's over. Um, so what I find the best use of this card is is to only zap like that, like do the innate, quote-unquote innate zap, when you're controlling something like a Sparky or a, a Hog Rider, something that you're going to come down and have little threat against, right? Because by the time you... Sp- the, the the sparky comes down you zap it it's never gonna fire off another shot <laughs> if that's the only thing going on you win yeah that's that's a good point and i guess another one could be um the two, i guess the other two could be the two princes the two princes would be a good option too the, the 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 problem i don't know what the the attack speed on the princes are innately but i mean they'll stop their charge is exactly what you want to do and at the end of the day they're gonna at least get the electro wizard will at least get one more kind of attack off one more zap off before it dies um like i said only has 500 health so it only takes one or two hits from the big guys to kill it yeah that's a good point um so overall we we both like it i like it um i agree with almost everything that you just said um i do feel that the card is a little squishy but again i also think that that comes with learning how the card should be played and you know your your you're doing a challenge and, you know, not, not only are you building a deck on the spot, so theoretically you would try and build a deck that was at least somewhat familiar or at least the cards were familiar. This one card, you're now learning how it should be used in a tournament and it's a little complicated and it's not something that we're used to playing, especially with that battle cry feature. Um, and I think that a lot of people assume that it should be used like a zap because mm-hmm. of its battle cry. And I think that kind of, um, I, th- I think that that is maybe, like you said, the wrong way of, of playing the card. Totally agree. I mean, it's, it's too squishy, like you said, to be used like that. It can be used like that sparingly, but the main purpose of this card is a control card. And control cards need to play behind things, right? Like you're not just going to send an ice wizard into the, into the mix of a, sw- a swarm of troops. You're not just going to throw him down into a swarm of troops. You're going to put the ice wizard behind something so that it kind of facilitates the other things that you have mm-hmm. to kill them. It's the same concept with the, with the Electro Wizard. The only difference is that it has more single-target damage um, unless you do the AoE innate, call it Zap. But the thing that I do want to get your thoughts on is the fact that it gets killed in full by a Fireball. So four cost for four cost, the Fireball will kill it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, 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 I personally feel that that's a decent trade. Um, I think that because it's a legendary and it does do that battle cry feature that we were talking about, it kind of gives it a little bit of an edge because one of the use cases that we were, uh, actually alluding to that the electro wizard could work for that you drop it in the middle of is let's say a skeleton army. That's actually one of the perfect things that you can drop that card in the middle of, and it takes them all out. Totally agree that like goblins, spear goblins, fire spirits, any like that. Right. So if you throw out four cost with the Electro Wizard to get those things to disappear and then they use a four cost fireball as an answer, I feel like that's a fair trade. In many other situations, I don't necessarily know if it is fair, but I like that they're both four. So I'm going to agree with you. I also think that the reason why I like the fact that it gets countered by a fireball so easily Mm -hmm. is because it does not get countered by troops that easily. Um because it's such a good control card, it takes a long time for troops to get to it. I mean, every 1.7 seconds, they're getting zapped and stunned for 0.5. 
and it just takes a very long time for something to get to it. So right. using a spell to kind of counter it, it, it's almost like there's a direct counter to this card and it's a spell. And I think it's like almost the, it's not, the, I'm not going to call it the first time, right? Because like Fireball also takes out the, the regular Barbarians pretty mm-hmm. well. But it's one of the only times where a s- single spell takes out a single troop effectively. Um, it's a very good direct counter, especially if the Fireball is being used in like a chip deck. Because mm-hmm. you can use the Fireball to not only kill the Electro Wizard, but also to deal damage to the Archer Tower, which is super crucial in a lot of games, especially when you're trying to do chip damage throughout the game to get the tower down at the end. That was so eloquently put, I cannot even fathom saying it better. Boom. So before we get into to, to some fun stuff, I think we need to talk about the fact that they changed the tooltip on this card. Right. <laughs> Did you forget? Because I almost forgot. Totally forgot. I mean, they changed the tooltip, but they didn't change the mechanic, right? Right. So they actually, uh, last time we recorded, um, the tooltip actually said the word zap, um, and it was capitalized with a capital Z. And, you know, Joe and I immediately thought that that had to hint that it was going to be zapping and doing exactly what a zap does. Um but of course, when the card gets released, the uh, the tooltip is worded slightly differently, um, and zap is no longer in there. It almost seemed like they were trying to change the words because he was going to be doing something different. But he actually wound up doing the same thing and exactly what we thought he would be doing, which was zapping. Yeah, it almost just seemed like someone at Supercell was like, you know what, guys, let's not use the term zapping. Yep. Let's just come up with something a little bit more creative. What does it say now? So the tooltip now says, he lands with a pow, stuns nearby enemies, and shoots lightning bolts with his hands. What a show off. I kind of like the other tooltip better, but that's just me. I do too. I wonder if they changed it because if they left it as zap, then they technically need to make the zap spell and his zap always the same. This gives them the freedom to change his zap without changing the other zap and vice versa. Yeah, and that's a good point, but I mean, they didn't do that with the lightning bolts, right? Like, they just say that it stuns it for, it just stuns, it attacks with three lightning bolts and stuns enemies. They don't say, quote-unquote, zapping, but they keep it as a zap. But maybe you're right, maybe they they don't use that, because if they ever wanted to change the zap stun duration, they don't have to link everything together. They can just keep things separate, which I think, to be, to be fair, is, is fine. Yeah, it just, it just totally threw us for a loop when we thought it said one thing and then it changed and said a completely different thing. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually brings us to some exciting news. Would you like to lay it out for everyone? I would. So we were talking about the challenges and then we were talking about the results. I don't know how this happened, dude. Don't know how this happened, but somehow I managed to get 12 wins in the Electro Wizard Challenge. <laughs> I got the Electro Wizard. Of course you did. I love the card. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Dude. <sighs> I played like I played like four or five different times um, with, a, with a Zap Bait deck mm-hmm. that someone in our clan, uh, Shmaniki is his name, he gave to us. And I tried like four or five times. And to be honest with you, was not having it like two wins three wins four wins five wins and then like two wins again right and then for whatever reason the 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 zap bait just deck it clicked and i won five in a row then lost two and i was riding 
and then I ra- rode seven straight wins to the end <laughs> to get the Electro Wizard, which was just like completely unheard of. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get it. Let's just try and get like seven wins. Yeah, that's um, crazy. And it worked. I got the Electro Wizard. I can I have it now and I I guess now I also get the opportunity to get it from chests before it actually comes out which right. is super cool. I can't believe it. I was on cloud 9. Boom. Yeah, I'm curious to see if you can get it before it comes out in a chest. I would say no, but I guess that is it is possible if you already have it. It's unlocked. Like if I go into Oh, you don't even arena. see it in the list of cards anymore it's it's unlocked it's not right. in like the it's not in the grayed out section it's actually now an available card and if i go into like the arena screen i can click on the arenas and scroll to you know arena seven or whatever it's in and i see it there but not mm. only that i see the goblin the dark goblin as like the quote-unquote next available card which is super right. cool so all right so that's really cool and uh we'll get into the dark goblin in a second but you also had something else happen to you this week dude Literally two hours before I got the Electro Wizard, I opened my very first legendary from a normal chest. It was a super magical chest, and I got the Sparky. Couldn't believe it. It took 10 months to get one legendary from a normal chest other than the shop, and it's the Sparky. I mean, I kind of wished it was the log, but at the end of the day, I was just super happy. Um, To be fair, I I haven't played with it yet. because we'll get to why in a little bit, but I can't believe I got it. I can't wait to use it, and boom. And this makes you have a grand total of five legendaries, correct? That's right. And I have four, so the little brother is leading. Where my where my legendaries at, bro? <laughs> um, <laughs> so we said that we were going to talk about the Dark Goblin, because you can see it. Um, and most people can't unless they've unlocked the Electro Wizard. So can you please tell us what's going on with that card now that we can uh, see more information? I can. So the Dark Goblin is a rare troop. It is a ground troop that is ranged. And here's the tooltip for it. Runs fast, shoots far, and chews gum. How does he blow darts with a mouthful of gum? Years of didgeridoo lessons. Not sure what didgeridoo means. But it must be something cool because he can blow gum and chew gum and blow darts at the same time. Is That's it didgeridoo right or diggeridoo? Did did didgeridoo? D i d. Yes. Hmm. Didgeridoo. Someone on this planet listening to this podcast knows what that is. I mean, we could probably Google it, but that's way, that's way too sophisticated for us. I don't want to do that. That's not as fun. Right. So we'll just wait for somebody to tell us what that means. But it must be interesting. That takes the magic out of it. <laughs> Agreed. So, so this is a three-cost card. Like I said, it was a rare. Um, it seems a little bit squishy. The, the, the hit points at level one is only 123. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I could compare it to like archers, but I, I don't know what their health is at level one anymore. What's its range? Dude. Is it princess level? So this is the coolest thing about this card. Its hit speed is mm-hmm. 0.7 seconds. So it shoots pr- actually pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, by, co- by comparison, the expo is every 0.3 seconds. So if so you kind of just... double. Yeah, if you kind of just cut the expo speed in half, that's what you'd get with the Dark Goblin. Right. But the coolest thing is that not only does it attack air and ground, but like you said, its range. Its range is 6.5 Now, what's so cool about 6.5? Do you know any other card in this game that has a 6.5 range? Probably, but not off the top of my head. 
The Royal Giant. Oh. How many things can the Royal Giant outshoot in terms of buildings? I.e. Everything. The Inferno <laughs> Tower, the cannon, huts, you know, the, the Tesla Tower. It, mm. it, it, it can also be used in that kind of sweet spot where, you know, if you get one tower down, you can put oh. it in that quote unquote sweet spot where it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't get attacked by the center tower, but only right. get attacked by the archer tower. Right. I mean, it outranges the musketeer by 0.5. Um, so if the, if the musketeer is distracted by something, this thing will get some shots in before the musketeer can queue up a, can queue up a go. Mm-hmm. Um, the range is interesting. I, and to be fair, I thought that it would have a longer range, but then the more I thought about it, it was just like, does it really need a longer range? As long as it outranges the things, you can use other cards to distract it. At the end of the day, it's only a three-cost, very fast unit. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not going to be the kind of card that kind of tanks damage. You're going to have to put it behind something. Um, at the end, I, I, ultimately, I think that's the purpose that this thing will serve. Yeah, I'm curious because I really thought that this was going to be a card that had some sort of like poison effect on its yeah. darts. Um, considering that it is a dart goblin, but and I don't know. I guess I just kind of made that assumption. Um, I like the card. I like the fact that it has that good range. Um, and it sounds like it moves quickly. Yes. Yeah, it's very fast. But I, I think the coolest thing about the range is that you can use this card to as a cheap cost to defend on the left side of the map when you're defending on the right side of the map. Like, right. if you're pushing on the left, you can use this card strategically on the left side, but close enough where it'll attack things on the right side. But then when it's done attacking, it'll just go to the left. So it allows you to kind of, like, kill two birds with one stone in a defense push regard. And I'm really excited to kind of see how this hits the, hits the meta. Yeah, I'm actually also really excited to see the log go after something else other than my princess. <laughs> I mean, for sure, the log will totally kill this thing. I think the cool thing is that if you if you do use the log, I, I don't, like I said, I don't know what this thing will be like at. I'm not going to do the math and see what it's like at capped level nine twenty. Um, but if it does kill, if it does get killed by the log, it's going to be a good trade, right? Because the log costs two, this thing costs three. You're always right. going to be a plus one advantage, right? Well, we'll find out on January thirteenth when this card comes out with uh, the jungle arena. Boom. Mm-hmm. So speaking of new cards, let's talk about the E-Barbs. So now that you've gotten a chance to play against them way more after the, uh, uh, the balance changes hit, what do you think about them now? So we said two weeks ago that the, the balance changes that they made were in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. We also said that we weren't sure how it would actually translate into quote-unquote balance because we can't deck test it until after it comes out we don't have the upper we're not like orange juice or like molt we don't have the ability to like get things before they happen yeah and see how they'll work yeah we're not privileged so, enough yet which which is fine but i it just makes us kind of forecast in the in the future of right. what we think will happen but we can't really say for definitively what whether we like it or not mm-hmm. i still think i like the fact that they went in the right direction However, I do think that the changes that they made made them a little bit overpowered. Yeah. Um, they quickly rose to the top of the meta. They quickly rose to, to the top of the ladder charts. Um, these are a very unforgiving card. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a better way to say it. I mean, 
if you make a move and someone counters that move on the other side of the map with e-barbs, mm-hmm. they are so unforgiving. They are, they are like the ultimate Punisher card. Yeah, you need to essentially throw everything you have at this card in order to take it down. Sometimes it involves, you know, more than two or three cards to take them down. And I completely agree with you. I think that they are, they are very overpowered. Um, they are in virtually every single deck that I face in the, the legendary arena now. Um, and I, 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 honestly, it makes me, to be fair, it has, it makes me have to play a little bit differently because now I have to reserve certain cards for countering them. Um, but those cards were also part of my main push. So as of right now, I'm having a hard time dealing with them. Um, but using them, I did put them in purple flames deck instead of regular barbarians. And like you said, they're unforgiving. And if you can get them out with a hog rider at the same time and your opponent is not prepared, uh, that tower is gone in like five hits. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. And let me ask your thoughts. What do you think is the number one thing that causes them to be overpowered? Let's go one by one. Cost. Is six the right number? Given the changes that they made, is six the right number? Mm, if, they, if they keep them the same, I think they need to be seven. Okay. Hit points. Are the hit points good? I think their hit points are good. I think once they start getting into like the level 10, level 11 area, they start getting like, like it takes a couple seconds for a full minion horde to take them out. And it, even then it might not. Well, right, but it's, Minion Horde would take a little while to kill regular Barbarians, too, right? So Yeah, but there's it, more of them. Agreed, agreed. So, damage. Do you think the damage is good? I think the damage is good. Um, hmm. Maybe a little too strong in that department, but not necessarily, like, the most overpowered thing. Honestly, I think the most overpowered thing in, of the whole card is their speed. Their speed. And that's kind of yeah. where I was going with this, right? Like... If, if you keep all else the same, if you keep six cost, hit points high, damage high, but you reduce, instead of them being very fast, like a, like a goblin, they're elite barbarians, right? So the regular barbarians are what, medium speed? What mm-hmm. if you just made these things fast? Right. Just whatever the next level is above regular barbarians, just make them that speed. Correct. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I still kind of think that if they're going to keep, again, we don't know what they're going to do and we don't get a chance to play test any of them. But if, um, if they do keep everything the same, I, I kind of feel like they have to make it cost seven. No. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but I, I don't think they'll do that. Right. Like they're not going to make a common card cost seven. It's, it's not going to, it's not, it's not the right feel. <laughs> well, what's a barbarian hut? Is that a common or is that's that a, a rare? rare? Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's, that's seven. That's fair. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, maybe it's just my thought, but I, I think if they just put these things at fast, it would save a lot of issues. You could keep the health the same. You could keep the hit point, the, the cost the same. You could keep the damage the same. It'll mm-hmm. give some people a little bit more time to react. It's not a, it's not a huge difference, right? Like right. very fast to fast wouldn't be like the, you know, the end of the world for the card. It's not going to make it. it unusable but right. it'll make it easier to deal with in the sense that it's not going to be it's not going to be such a huge punisher in the sense that it's a must have in every deck no I, I i tend to agree with what you're saying so those are our thoughts on the e-barbs supercell boom mm-hmm. um so what do you think about our new clan chest 
Dude, I love the clan chests. I think that it's such a smart idea. Um, I think it got everybody in the clan. I mean, I'm talking about Cast Royale 2 specifically, but mm-hmm. I feel like it got everybody to be on the same page. Like, we were all trying to help each other do something together. Yes. Um, something that benefited everyone, as long as you participated in the clan chest, which simply meant getting one total crown. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So one of one of the one of the things that we had talked about last time was that this was possibly a good indicator for players being active in the clan. Um, You know, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that obviously it makes it so that everyone can see um, everybody's, let's say, uh, contributions to the clan chest. Um, Sure. And I, I think that it immediately makes people want to go and check to see if people are being active. And I don't know about you, but maybe this is just me. I don't necessarily think that that's the right way to look at those numbers. Um, and I don't necessarily think that just because somebody has zero crowns means that they're not active in the clan, let alone the game. Yeah, man, no, I, t- I totally agree. Um, and. You know, I th- to be fair, I think that whenever, call it a metric of activeness mm-hmm. or an ac- quote-unquote activeness indicator comes sure, out, sure. people are going to jump all over it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people want to know who's playing and who's not playing, who's contributing, who's not contributing, which is fine. But to be fair, we have, we have the donation indicator for that. Um, right. So if people aren't donating, we know that people aren't playing. And because it's not very difficult to donate. It, there's donations up there all the time. The, the, the problem that I found with this clan chess thing is that everybody takes a different approach. So, for example, I knew that my personal goal was to get the clan as many personal chests as I could possibly get them. Right. I wanted to play as many games as I could and get the clan as many crown chest crowns as I possibly could all on my own. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that if I did my part, everybody would benefit. So... Normally, I'm at around 37, 3,800 trophies on a, like a normal average day. Right. right? I, I willingly drop down to around 3,000, and to be fair, sometimes even lower, so like 2,500, mm-hmm. just so that I would get crowns quicker when I won. And, you know, some people would say, like, why are you doing that? Like, you're making it harder for everybody else to play. But to be honest, I'm also making it very easy for people to climb when I'm losing and <laughs> literally handing three crowns right. to people game after game after game after game. Right. So it's kind of, it kind of evens itself out. But to be fair, it looked like I, ha- I, I think I got like 190 trophy or ch- chests for the yeah. crown chest. And people thought that I was just like playing all the time. But when in reality, I played like, you know, 80 games or something like that. And there were other people who played probably just as many games, but were playing at their call it highest trophy count. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, they lose a lot. Or maybe they only get one crown, right? Right. So they could have played 80 games and gotten like 20 crowns because they lost half of their games. And when they did win, they only, you know, got one crown. And they played as many games as I did. So they were super active. So it's a very frustrating feeling for people when they are playing games. Maybe they don't look like they're contributing, but they're trying their hardest. Meanwhile, this guy over here, I'm me. I'm dropping trophies just so that I can get tro- just so that I can get crowns. Yeah, so it looks like I'm active. So it's just a terrible, terrible indication of whether someone's active or not. We did toy with the fact that we were going to use that indicator. I think it's safe to say that we are absolutely not 
going to use that indicator because yeah. it gives false impressions. Yep, I completely agree. Um, in 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 the in the way that it's presented right now, it almost makes me wish that the crown numbers are shown to clan leaders only. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of while you were just saying that, it actually almost makes more sense for them to show like a ratio of crowns to games. That might not be a bad idea. Like, because then you can at least see that they're playing games. Right. Not necessarily crowns to wins. Nobody cares if you win. You can get two crowns and not win. That's a very fair point. And I think that's the point that we were trying to make, right? Like, you can play 80 games and only get 20, 20 crowns. It happens to me all the time when I'm at my highest trophy count. Right. I actually, I, th- I think that there should just be a, a good stat page for everyone in the clan. And maybe you show the donations, you show how many games they played. And then, you know, this week, every time it resets, and then you show how many crowns they got. And that is, I think, a way better all around indicator as to whether someone is active or not, as, as opposed to just using the crowns from the clan chest. Totally agree. Right now, I think, personally, donation numbers are still a much better indicator of activeness for the way that in comparison to the clan chest. Couldn't agree more. And they should simply add a last online indicator. If they did that, a lot of issues would go away. Yes. Um, that's actually a really valid point. Um, and you, you do have, um, you do have an indicator as to whether someone is online if you're friends with them. So how about in the, in the clan? They have the feature, just throw mm-hmm. it in the clans. Right. Um, so something else that happened to the two of us. Uh, okay. So this was really cool. Joe and I both made it into the 4,000 club. 4K club. Boom. Yeah, we did. I, I, I can't even tell you the feeling that I had when I hit it, man. Like I, I just, I feel like I just like put my phone like when I saw that I was going to win the game, I, I just made like a Tiger Woods fist and just said like, <laughs> yes. And then, and then I think I just like, I put my phone down on my lap and I just like looked up and was just like, I, a huge, a huge sigh of relief just like overcame me. <laughs> it feels good, right? Did you, what was your reaction when you actually hit it? Do you remember my reaction when I made it into the legendary arena? I do. Imagine that times 10. Well, I'm glad I wasn't in the room with you. No, you, your, your ears probably would have, uh, would have melted off. Um, what did you wind up hitting? So my highest is 4,010. Oh. So I think I might have I edged you out a little bit. I'm 4,006. Dude, those four legendary trophies are going to make all the difference in the world for me. Oh, well, I'm not getting them because I dropped down. You did? You played? Yeah, because I felt bad because of course, so, so this is actually a really interesting thing to, for me to talk about right now and it's perfect timing. So we were just talking about the clan chest. Of course, this happens like the day that the clan chest comes out. Mm. So my first reaction from what we've said on the cast before is as soon as I hit it, I'm not playing anymore. Right. And I got 23 crowns for the clan chest. Okay. So that was fair. And then. Um, I hit 4,000 and I was like, I'm done. Like I can't do it. And then, you know, five days goes by and I see not, not that the clan was struggling at all. Everybody was, you know, doing really well. Actually. I just felt like I wasn't like pulling my weight as the leader. I don't know. That was just a personal thing. So I felt like I should be playing. So I played 
lo and behold, of course, I lost uh, a lot and I wound up uh, dropping a couple hundred, but I wound up getting myself back. I'm at like 3,900. So I'm close. I just got to keep working at it. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, I think your example and my example are just two examples of many, right? That that clearly show simply this this metric is not a good gauge to indicate whether someone's active or not. Right. I mean, you had a very unique situation, which I'm sure other people had. I had a very unique situation, which I'm sure other people did. But there's plenty of others out there that we didn't even mention or that we probably didn't even think of. Um, but simply, it's it, there's so many variables out there that crowns are not a good indication of whether somebody is actually contributing into the clan or not. Because donations, talking to the clan, playing friendly battles, like tutoring other people and like helping them through the game that's so much more valuable than a crown could ever be right and you're not getting any of that with anything that we're talking about right now yep that is a beautiful way to put it um so last but not least uh we have a new channel in our discord uh real quick for um people to look for clans if they don't have one um or if they're just kind of like waiting to join our clan um, or if people are trying to, let's say, sell their clan. So it's a good advertising thing, which I think is nice. Yeah. So, you know, not, we don't always announce every pod, every clan that we have available to us. Um, sometimes we've tried to say, quote unquote, friends of Cast Royale for clans that we know are fun, friendly, um, and just kind of want to improve with everybody. But this will be a good way for you guys to go into the Discord talk amongst the community and just let people know that hey you know we've got a, a clan here that that has spots open and if you want to join feel free um and you can do that in our discord so be sure to check out our website join the discord password is legendary all lowercase letters check out the clans page boom mm-hmm. and i also think that it's really useful for people to go in and explain what their clan is all about because clearly like we and a bunch of other clans have like a very specific type of community, you know, like family friendly and whatnot. Um, but it, it's a good opportunity for if, you know, you're looking to have people join your clan, you can kind of explain maybe it's not necessarily family friendly or maybe it is. Um, maybe it's a bunch of work people. Maybe it's just a bunch of friends. So it's nice to be able to explain that and have people talk about it. Totally agree. Um, so... I have a chest. I have... You got a big dog? What do you got, man? I have a magical chest. Boom. And I would like to open it on the show because maybe I'll get lucky the way that you got lucky and got a Sparky in your super magical chest. Maybe. I've, I'm crossing my fingers for you. So let's do this. 656 gold. Not bad. And there are seven cards. Okay. One fireball. Okay. <laughs> Lonely little fireball you yep. got there. 17 royal giants. Boom. 33 arrows. 37 archers. 9 three musketeers. Okay. <laughs> 13 valkyrie. Okay. It's not bad. Last one, ready? Ready. And 4 mirrors. Four mirrors, dude. Yeah. That's good. Four mirrors is good. Four mirrors might not sound good on like the, the surface, but it's super good. Hey, man, the mirror gives you a card that is one level higher than the previous card. So that was actually a really good chest. Boom. 
Oh, and someone is requesting a fireball on my clan. So well, I'm going to give them my one, one fireball. <laughs> I had one. I gave it. Perfect. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, Very good. So we didn't really have much topic wise to talk about uh, other than what we already rambled on about this evening. So let's go into our deck spotlight. Deck spotlight. There it is. So we have three different decks to go over today. So the first one is called Electro Boom. I guess you kind of have to yell it, right? Because it's got an exclamation yeah. point at the end. Yeah, you Electro can't, you Boom! Can't just, yeah, you can't just be like, Electro Boom. All right, so I'll do it again. Electro Boom! Electro Boom! Mm-hmm. And it is a 3.1 average elixir cost deck and contains the Skeleton Army, the Log, the Mega Minion, Fireball, the Furnace, Goblin Barrel, Mirror, and the Electro Wizard. So remember when I was saying before that the Mirror was like kind of like a unique card that you uh-huh. weren't really shit? Yeah, it's probably not okay, but that this is what was going through my mind. Right. I would and have it's, loved it's, to have a Mirror. And it's worth mentioning that this is the deck that you use to win the challenge, right? It is. So yes. I made a deck. It, it might be a little bit premature because obviously not everybody's going to have this, this card and can make the deck. But I just wanted to give everybody a picture of the deck that I used, the deck that Schmaniki gave to me um, that allowed me to get to 12 wins. And the cool thing mm-hmm. about this deck is that you're going to find that if you were to look at like, I don't know, Arena 10 TV Royale, you're going to notice that this deck minus the Electro Wizard and, you know, add in like either spear goblins or the minion horde is used quite a bit now at the top of the charts Mm -hmm. um so if you don't have the electro wizard swap that out but when you get it swap it in because it's super good um but do you think that you could use the ice wizard that's a very difficult question I'm, i'm not sure right because they're both control cards but the difference is that they're very very different control cards right the ice wizard just simply slows things down the difference is that this card allows you to zap things, but also mm. allows you to control them. But the thing that people don't realize right off the bat is that the zap doesn't only stun them, it also causes the, the unit or building to retarget. Um, and so I could send the Electro Wizard in at first and then throw on a Goblin Barrel, and the zaps will innately cause the Archer Tower to retarget onto the Goblins and right. not the Electro Wizard. Um, it's a, so it's a tough swap out for me to to say because i I just don't know it's possible um but before switching that out to like the ice wizard i would use something like spear goblins or like a minion horde okay Um, fair i just wanted to know before you explained how to use the deck sure so so the best way that i can describe this deck is that it is a zap bait deck at its core you are trying to bait out a zap because most people only have one or two cards that can deal with swarms of troops Mm -hmm. one of them is usually a zap the other one is either a fireball or some other kind of troop like a i don't call it a minion horde or minions or a valkyrie something like you know wizard something like that they usually don't have all of the cards that they need on their rotation to deal with swarms of troops all the time so the best way to play this deck is to drop the furnace in the middle of the lane um because you're going to want it to distract anything that's kind of coming your way when they when your opponent goes on their attack the cool thing about the fire spirits is that it has great chip damage 
Because if you're a tourney cap with somebody else, one of those fire spirits from the furnace is going to die, while the other one will always make it to the tower. And the only time it won't make it to the tower is if your opponent uses a troop or a spell to kill the fire spirits. And by that time, they're simply just wasting elixir. So the furnace not only distracts oncoming troops from dealing damage to your towers, but it also does very good chip damage onto your opponent's towers. Once you have the furnace down, this deck becomes very simple to use. You're going to use your goblin barrel and your mirror and or your goblin barrel and your fireball to absolutely annihilate the tower over and over and over again. And you might think, well, what if they zap my first goblin barrel? Well, the cool thing is that you have another one on cue if you have your mirror up. And it's one <laughs> level higher. And it's one level higher. So here's the coolest thing that I found about this deck. I mentioned before that you have the skeleton army. And sometimes the best thing to do is to bait the zap out with the skeleton army. Mm -hmm. And here's why. If you do that, they waste their zap on your skeleton army. And then they don't have very good defense for your first goblin barrel. So you throw your first goblin barrel onto their archer tower. And let's just pretend they have a log. If they use the log to kill your first goblin barrel, mm -hmm. your next goblin barrel is mirrored one level higher. So even if they've cycled back to their zap, it cannot kill the goblin barrel. Right. <laughs> it can't that's, kill it. That's a, great, that's a great point. So essentially, they're wasting their zap you're still going to get some damage in, not obviously not the full amount, but you're going to get some damage in, and they're not effectively going to kill anything. But here's the cool thing. If you don't use your, your mirror to, to mirror a goblin barrel, you can simply mirror it to mirror your skeleton army if they kill your big defense, right? Like if they have a, a royal giant down, or elite barbarians, or a giant, and you use your skeleton army, chances are they're probably going to zap them, right? Right. Well, not... Not, not to worry, especially if you have another one on cue with, with that are going to be a level higher. And like I said, most of the time, they're not going to be expecting you to mirror a skeleton army. Um, and the coolest thing about the deck is that you have the fireball. <laughs> you also have the log. Both are very good at chip damage if you can kind of queue up other troops while doing damage to the tower. Right. So the log is far enough. It, it shoots far enough to reach troops and the opponent's archer tower. The fireball is very good at killing your opponent's Electro Wizard and a bunch of other troops, but also dealing, you know, chip damage to the tower. And at the end of the day, if you have a fire, if you have a log, fireball, mirror, fireball combination at the end, you're easily doing somewhere around like 700 damage to the tower. It's a tremendous number. Yeah, I. First of all, I can't believe that you won with this deck. Um, because it is a totally different playstyle than you've ever described yourself as playing in this game. Um, but it's probably one of the coolest decks I think I've ever seen because you're constantly going after the tower in multiple different ways. Um, and I, I feel like that can be extremely frustrating for whoever has to deal with that. Yeah, man. I'll and that's, that's a fair point. Like, this is not the kind of deck that I'm used to playing. But the thing is, is that it's pretty simple to use. At the end of the day, your goal is to just defend and then split their push-up. Because here's the thing. If you're dealing damage with a goblin barrel, they cannot ignore the goblin barrel. They can't. If right. they ignore the goblin barrel, their tower's dead in four goblin barrels. That's true. So... You have cards in your deck that force reactions. 
So even if they start a push on the right-hand side, you can split up that push if you attack the left tower. So I found myself not really getting into tricky situations because even if they developed some sort of a push, I was splitting it up. And a lonely giant all by itself with, call it maybe one mega minion behind it, Mm -hmm. isn't really going to do enough. They need to develop their full push in order for it to be effective. So if you're splitting it up all the time, eh, makes it pretty simple to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so if you do have the Electro Wizard or you wind up getting it in the future, uh, definitely try out this deck because it's quick, but very, very fun. That's right. But if, like I said before, if you don't have the Electro Wizard, swap this out for either the Spear Goblins or the Minion Horde. And I guarantee you this is going to be a very fun deck for you to play. And it's also going to be extremely frustrating for your opponent to deal with. Mm-hmm. So the next deck is, is actually a, a deck that we got from one of our listeners. And his name is Kevin Durr. And he made an E-Barb deck for us. So an Elite Barbarian deck. Boom. Boom. And he named the deck, The Best Offense is Good Defense. Boom. This is a 3.4 average elixir cost deck, and it features the Furnace, Elite Barbarians, the Mega Minion, Fireball, Log, Zap, Miner, and the Skeleton Army. And the thing that strikes me the most about this deck, Rob, mm-hmm. is the fact that it's got three spells, the Fireball, Log, and the Zap. Yes. So I'm interested to kind of see how all of these kind of things kind of work together. Yeah, it's really interesting. So real quick side note um, about Kevin is this deck actually brought him into the Legendary Arena. Um, so clearly it's a very good deck. Um, and he, he actually told us that he's a school counselor um, and he talks to teachers and students about Clash Royale a lot. They stop him in the hallway and talk about it. That was the coolest part I found. He, this guy gets stopped in the hallway to talk about Clash Royale with his, with his students. I wish that that happened to me when I was a kid in school. Yeah, I think uh, most of his clan is made up of teachers and students, so that's even better. Boom. So he actually sent me um, a nice little description of how he plays the deck. Um, so essentially, like the title explains, is that he's doing a lot of defense. Um, he uses his furnace. Um, first pretty much uh to pull in any troops um and then also that automatically acts as an offense um to support his e-barbs getting to the tower so those two things kind of go hand in hand um and let's face it when e-barbs go towards a tower they're running really really fast and then they're being supported by little fire spirits so they pretty much take care of a lot of things in order to get the e-barbs to the tower Um, He uses the Mega Minion to support on defense. His Fireball is used for pretty much any troop um, being deployed by any tower. So it could be an offensive uh, card or it could be a defensive card. Um, He also uses the Log to keep pushes off of the Furnace and his tower. And he says sometimes he uses um, the Log as a a predictive defense, so to speak, um, to protect the E-Barbs, especially if he knows that the opponent is using uh, a skeleton army. Um, he also says that he uses the zap to support any push he has going. And lastly, he uses the miner for chip damage, but he finds that he actually uses it somewhat infrequently because um, he thinks that it's, it, it acts more as a surprise and kind of plays better that way. Um, the last thing that's in the deck that we didn't mention yet was the skeleton army. 
And obviously the skeleton army is mainly going to be used for defense against things like hog rider, uh, giants, both of the princes, uh, pretty much anything that is a gigantic troop or needs to be stopped before hitting the tower. That's what this card is going to do. Um, so, I mean, he told me that he made it from around 2,700 to over 3000. So clearly this deck works. It probably will take some time to get used to because it's it's a deck that contains three spells, and most decks do not contain three spells. Um, but I think the thing that gets me the most with this deck is that it has a furnace and e-barbs, and those things are supposed to be used uh, in tandem. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. This deck seems like... It, it, it seems so good, right? And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of e-barb decks out there, but this one clearly worked for Kevin and allowed him to get the Legendary Arena, like you said, and it's got to be doing something right. I think it's got a good mix of offense and defense, but I do think the cool thing about it is that, like the name says, the best offense about this deck is that it is very defensive. Boom. Boom. And, and to be fair, I think the fact that it has three spells kind of alludes to that, right? Like, if, if you're going to have three spells, a lot of times you can't be on the offense. So you have to set up defensive counters very well. And then you can kind of go all in with an offensive push because you've got the spells to do it. At that point, you can capitalize and just win the game. You you sound like a, a sportscaster right now. You sound like John Madden. <laughs> you just gotta capitalize on that, and you just you know just win the game. He just win the game. <laughs> I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to respond to that. I don't even know if that's what John Madden actually sounds like. It, he probably doesn't. Uh, but you reminded me that was the biggest name I could think of for sportscasters. And I don't know a lot about sports, so I thought that that was pretty good. I appreciate it. If if for nothing else, the thought was all that mattered. But I think it was a pretty good impression, to be honest. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so the last deck that we actually have uh, is one that you had created specifically for the show, not for any challenges. Um, and I love that you called it the Night Shift. Boom. Mm-hmm. And it is also a 3.4 average elixir cost deck and contains the Mega Minion, the Archers, Zap, Fire Spirits, the Graveyard, Tombstone, freeze and the bowler right so so this deck was actually created because we got a review from a listener which we'll read a little bit later that said he was in arena seven and we were we really weren't helping him out that much um he he wanted us to build him an arena seven deck uh that included the graveyard so here we are boom boom we figured this is an arena seven deck it has the graveyard it's his only uh legendary and all the cards are from Arena 7 or prior. So right. the, the, the coolest thing about this deck is that it's not only good in Arena 7, it's actually used a lot at the top charts. Um, and, and the way the deck is played at its core is very simple. Play defensive. Mm-hmm. React to your opponent. Use the bowler, the archers, and the mega minion to defend. But the cool thing about the deck is that it has the tombstone. The Tombstone is like one of those annoying building cards that are just yes. relentless, right? Yep, yep, They're yep. very good at distracting. They're very good at kind of offsetting troops. They're very good at like slowing the game down, right? They do. They slow someone's push in that lane. Exactly. And if you're slowing the game down and you're playing a defensive deck, you are, you are taking control of the game and putting it in your favor. Right. So if, let's just say we're at 10 Elixir. If you're at 10 Elixir and you can defend well, Put the tombstone out there and pick a lane that you want to attack. When you do that, you're going to want to drop the bowler in the same lane, but behind the king tower, right? So behind the king tower, 
and travel down the same lane as your trickling, call mm-hmm. it, uh, skeletons are going down. Right. Ultimately, this deck is very simply played. Once you've got the boulder and the tombstone down, the only thing that you're trying to do after that is use your archers and your mega minion very sporadically. Don't, you know, use all of your elixir. Because once everything kind of gets to the, to the center of the battlefield and they cross the river, you want your bowler to be taking the damage because you want to drop your graveyard right on the tower of the, the right on your opponent's archer tower so that none of your skeletons are getting attacked. Mm-hmm. And then here's the key. If your opponent is targeting your bowler and your bowler is being backed up by your tombstone and your archers or your mega minion, nothing is being, nothing is attacking your graveyard, right? Right. Your opponent is going to be forced, absolutely forced to react to your graveyard. They might use a spell. They might use some troops. If they use troops, you're going to want to wait for them to drop their troops and then you're going to want to freeze those troops that they drop plus their archer tower. Right. If you can do that, they won't have elixir to, to, to defend the remaining, call it, skeletons that are spawning. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to kill your bowler push. And the coolest thing is that frozen troops plus a tower all die to a graveyard, especially when you have 20 skeletons that aren't being killed that are now attacking frozen units. Right. The only problem that you might run into um, is if they drop down, let's say, a minion horde and freeze it. Um, In which case, the only thing that you really have that can take care of them all fairly quickly would be the fire spirits and the zap. Right. But the issue is that you're not going to really combine your fire spirits with your with your graveyard. It's just not going to happen. So at that point. You're going to let the freeze duration occur. You're going to take the chip damage onto the tower that you're going to get anyway. You'll do pretty good damage. If, if your opponent responds to your graveyard with a minion horde and you freeze the minion horde, you're going to get surprising amounts of damage to go down on that archer tower. Well, also keep in mind that the minion horde is completely distracted by the graveyard while your bowler is doing the chip damage to the tower because the minion horde won't move. It stays in the same place because they have to go back and forth between all the little skeletons. Well, that's right, but they're frozen, so it's... It, no, I'm saying once they're not frozen. Right, so in theory, your, your bowler's still getting pretty good damage. Right. But to be fair, by the time the minion horde is, is unfrozen, mm-hmm. your bowler's probably going to be dead. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's not to worry. And the, the reason why is because, like you said, Rob, you have the fire spirits and the zap, but mm-hmm. you also have archers. So when your opponent kind of comes back on the offense, you have very cheap answers to deal with those kinds of troops. Simply use the archers and the zap, or the fire spirits and the zap, or the fire spirits and the archers, or the mega minion and the, you know, you have so many different combinations that you can use. Yeah, and this deck's Um, cheap, so you can keep bouncing back and forth between cards quickly. Exactly. Now, the one mistake that you can make with this deck is simply freezing too soon. If Mm -hmm. you do that, you're not going to get the benefit of doing chip damage onto the tower. Think about it like this. If you freeze an archer tower by itself, and then your opponent drops goblins or mm-hmm. minions or minion horde those are going to absolutely kill your graveyard you're not going to get chip damage in and you're wasting five elixir on the graveyard and four elixir on the freeze so that's right. technically nine elixir that you're just wasting you you really have to be patient give the graveyard a couple of seconds to get generating see what their answer is then freeze in the appropriate spot and you are absolutely golden do that a couple of times tower goes down work on the other one rinse repeat boom Boom. Love it. That's a cool deck, man. 
So Vex Crate, we hope you enjoy the, the Arena 7 deck. Like I said, we'll read the review a little bit later. Boom. So those were three pretty cool decks, I have to say so. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go into our iTunes reviews. So we actually got four iTunes reviews this week. Um, and the first one is from Aiden JK. He actually has a crying smiley face in there, but I, I don't really know what to say, but it makes the name sound weird, right? So we'll just call him Aiden. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aiden says, thanks. I just got into your clan, Cast Royale 2, and just got into Legendary Arena. Your podcast is awesome. Hashtag boom. Hashtag boom. That's right. Aiden joined Cast Royale 2. <laughs> he is the man. He joined and he was like, he was like, hey guys, how can I leave them a review? And he left us a review. He, 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 guy is super awesome, super fun, friendly, very active. And uh, not only do we thank you for joining the clan, but obviously we thank you so much for the review, Aiden. It helps us reach more people. We appreciate the kind words. Boom. Yep. And Boom just went hashtag in his review. So that was awesome too. Hashtag Boom, mm-hmm. baby. So the next review is from Vexcrate, who is the person who needed a deck for... Uh, arena seven so they wrote good but not helping me i'm about 2100 trophies but i can't seem to move please help me build an arena seven deck please note that my only legendary is the graveyard got in a crown chest that's right so vex crate we made you the arena seven deck it is super popular it is super good the one card that I had to swap out of the quote-unquote meta deck is the, the Ice Golem. So mm-hmm. you don't have that card because you don't, you're not in Frozen Peak yet. Um, so what I did was I swapped out that two-cost card with the Fire Spirits. And the reason why I did that was because the Ice Golem is really used to combat the Minion Horde. Right. Because if you, if you drop the Ice Golem down and it dies, you can simply use the Zap to kill the remainder of the Minion Hordes. Mm-hmm. So I chose the Fire Spirits to give you that same effect. Um, So again, Rob and I hope that this really helps you kind of get out of the 2100 trophy range. Obviously, the cards are subject to the level of cards that you have. Um, If they're not close to the 20 cap, you might want to consider just kind of leveling them up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it is a good deck. Give it a try. Give it a go and see what happens. But we hope it helps you, bud. Boom. Absolutely. Uh, So the next review is from Hans Gobbler. Hans Gobbler. Um, And he writes, boom, I'm very new to this podcast. I've only listened to the last two episodes, but it's great. I'll be honest, I was a little turned off at first by the overabundance of the word boom. Boom. But I've gotten to where I just laugh at it. It's pretty hilarious. Great tool to help me get better at a game I like a lot. Keep up the good work. So we uh we had to we had to warm up a little bit, Joe. Well, I mean, it it's it's not every day. Like not everybody is boom ready. You That's know what true. I mean? That's true. Like it takes it takes a couple of it takes a couple of tries. Like if you got to test the waters at first, you kind of got to feel it out a little bit, and then it just all of a sudden the point of emphasis just kind of takes over. And it's just like, how could you not like boom? Well, at that, I mean, at that point, it sits well with your soul. You know, you like you right, just right. you it just becomes- know. <laughs> you just know. That it's the right thing to say for for any situation. Good, bad, ugly, happy, sad. You gotta say it. Boom. Boom. There's always like an appropriate time and an appropriate way to say it. And the, the just like the, the, the finality of it is just super appropriate so often that we just have to do it. 
I would really love if, you know, and people have better things to do, but if, if someone was wild enough and had some time on their hands, I would really love to know how many times both you and I have said boom on this show to date. Like from beginning to end? Like from beginning to end. Oh, gosh. Could you even guess? Like if you had to guess a number, what would it be? Like I would say... A thousand. I would say a thousand. Easily, a, guess. easily a thousand. <laughs> easily, yeah, easily a thousand, yeah. Because unlike maybe most people now who use the term, we use it much more loosely <laughs> as much as we want. <laughs> so uh, that's right. it's not always appropriate, but we, we always feel right when we say it. So that's, that's really the point. And plus, it makes us happy. It's a fun thing to say. And really, what's more powerful than that word? Boom. Boom. No, mm-hmm. so, so to kind of bring this back, Hans Gobbler, boom. Thank you so much for the review. We appreciate the kind words. We're super happy that it's helping you. That You clearly love the game Clash Royale. We love it too. And anything that we can do to help you, we will. So if, if, if you need anything, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us on Discord. Reach out to us on our website. However you want to do it, we'll be glad to help. Boom. Boom. And the last review is from JD32, who writes, boom. <laughs> Like you can't, right? You have to. What do I do? Like right. I, I'm holding back it's, now because exactly. I know somebody. I know somebody didn't like it, so I don't want to say it. But how can I not? So boom. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, three out of the four reviews tonight all incorporate the word "boom" in some way, shape, or form. We started a movement here, Joe. I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> I, I'm. A, it's, it's a humbling time for me. I feel. I feel bad. Let's let's get back to Jay. So yeah. JD32 <laughs> says, "Boom, love the podcast. I'm trying out rinse and repeat, but don't think I'm doing it right." Getting my butt kicked. Can't wait for the next episode. So, Joe, you want, you want to give him a little bit of a tip for this deck? Because it, it definitely is a different play style than most people would probably play. Yeah, so, JD, this deck is super, super, super difficult to play. Um, it, it seems to have worked well with my play style. And to be fair, is the reason that I got to 4,000 trophies this week. Um, what I will tell you is that the number one thing you can do is use the Hog Ice Spirit or Hog Ice Golem or Hog Fireball combo as many times as you possibly can in one match. Mm. Because all you're trying to do is do chip damage on the tower every push. And if you do that, chances are you're going to hit their tower down before they're going to get yours down. The other tip that I will tell you is that I am currently trying to record a game to post on our YouTube channel for the Rinse and Repeat deck so you can kind of see how I play it offensively and defensively hopefully it allows a couple of players to kind of jump on the bandwagon and see if it could get them up a little bit higher than what they currently are so mm-hmm. jd be sure to look out on youtube for that uh you know in the coming week or so Boom. yeah definitely um so that's it for the reviews uh we had no patrons this week uh no paypal sponsorships either but that's okay if you would like to be a part of either of those two things um you can find the information in the show notes um, or just go to our website. There's links all over the place on how to uh, uh, contribute or participate. Boom. That was, uh, that was a good episode. If I say so myself. I mean, really, though, what a way to start 2017, right? 2017. It's the best way. I feel like we came out of the gate strong. We got a good year ahead of us. Hopefully, we make it all the way to 2018 so we can do another <laughs> huge tournament bash which we hope everybody had a very good time earlier today um playing pod clash 2017 baby yeah, i'm, I'm going to talk about future rob because i know that i won't know what's going to happen in the tournament and by the time this comes out it'll already be in the past so i hope i do well i'm probably going to do terrible 
because there's so many good players in this game. And I really hope that there was a lot of people because that's really all I care about right now. I want everybody to come together and just have a good time. Couldn't agree more. And at the end of the day, this tournament was simply a huge thank you just to everybody that listens to our podcast, everybody who is part of our communities. The Giant in the Stick podcast and us just came together. We simply, simply, simply just wanted to thank you and show our appreciation for what you allow us to do and Mm -hmm. what you allow us to have. So, So what better way to celebrate the new year than to thank you and start us off on the right foot? So, boom. With a massive tournament. Massive. Boom. Um, So if you would like to uh, join either one of our clans, if there's an opening, uh, feel free to send us an invitation in the game. In the invite, please write the word podcast um, so that we know that you came from here. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you would like to talk to us about something, please send us an email at feedback at castrailpodcast.com. That's right. And if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at Podcast Royale. Yes. And as always, if you could or would like to leave us an iTunes review, as we've said before, it's the number one way you can help us reach more people. And I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but if you'd like to join our Discord, please go to castroyalepodcast.com slash Discord, put in the password legendary, all lowercase letters, no capitals, and uh, see what we've got going on over there. Uh, so if that's all we got then i'd say that this is about the place that we should wrap it up wrap it up we did good in 2016 and it's time for 2017 so until next time in 2017 get ready for another hodgepodge of everything hodgepodge of everything Boom. boom bye bye